Let's, uh, let's pray together to get started off this morning. Father God, we love you so much, and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for a great morning this morning, Lord, to wake up, beautiful weather, awesome sunrise, be able to see the balloons, and just be able to share with one another this morning, be able to worship together, to worship you, God. Lord, I pray this morning as we, as we come before you, as we talk about this not a fan, that, Lord, you, you have challenged us this week to not just be a fan, but, Lord, to be a follower of yours. We pray it in your name, Lord. Amen. As, uh, as you may have known, we started off last week with our uh, Not a Fan series. And we challenged you last week to accept the invitation that Jesus threw down to his people. Remember we talked about he fed the 5,000, and uh, right after that, uh, he'd gotten away from everybody. They followed him over there, and they said, uh, he basically said, hey, if you uh, really want to follow me, if you really want to eat, um, you want this physical food, but I'm here to, to offer you my flesh and my blood, and they all kind of freaked out and left. Twelve were left standing there, and he said, uh, you guys going to leave too? And he had to define the relationship. The defining moment of that relationship came right then, and I challenged you last week. I didn't want you to make a decision right then, but throughout this week, I wanted you to pray. I wanted you to talk to God. I wanted you to say, hey, God, this is where I think our relationship stands. I either want to take it to the next level, or I don't. And unfortunately, there wasn't a, an opportunity to have an in-between in that. And I'm not sure if this week you, you said, you know what, I'll, I'll decide later. And to me, if you say, I'm going to decide later, means you've made your decision. You've made that defining part of the relationship. We talked about it in the marriage relationship part of it all. And said, you know, if, if it, uh, it comes to the point where you're ready to get married to your spouse or you're in your marriage to your spouse, it's a full commitment. Because if it's not, there's some real problems and there's some real issues there and something that we need to look at. Same thing with our relationship with God. Is your relationship with God a full commitment? This week, it's a little bit, a little bit different. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the open invitation. Now, I'm not sure if you've had a chance to read through the book yet. Um, I know we sold out of them last week. We got some more, so there's some over there at the, at the welcome table. Um, if you'd like to pick one of those up, they're 10 bucks. And like I said last week, if for some reason 10 bucks is a problem for you at this point in time, just grab one. Grab one and take one. We also have these not-a-fan bracelets. Um, there's only, about, I think, 20 of them over there. Didn't, didn't go overboard with them, but they're $2 each if you want to grab one of those as well. Just to remind yourself that it's not about being a fan of Christ. It's about being a follower of His, and there's a big difference between the two. As we uh, transition, though, I want to I uh, get our mind back in the fan thing. Um, how many of you guys are glad that it's football season? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm stoked that it's football season. The funniest thing is, is, I'm not sure if you're like me all summer long, you followed along on ESPN or whatever, as they went through this whole lockout thing, and there's a little bit of worry that there wasn't going to be a football season this year, and went through all the things, and finally football season got started. Have you noticed that nobody cares about basketball? <laughs> Just out of curiosity, if anybody else knows, I'm like, that's kind of like the last story on ESPN before they cut the commercials, and if it's not there, then they just let it go anyway, it doesn't matter. But football was always the first story, and it's just kind of funny. I'm really glad that football's here. Uh, I am excited about the Packers playing today. Uh, they are 3-0, and one of the three teams in the league that are, um, just to remind you of that. And they're playing the Broncos today, so there's a pretty good chance they're going to be 4-0 by the end of the day. Um, oh, did I say that out loud? I was just thinking that. I'm sorry. I told you, I get diarrhea of the mouth and things just come out. Um, how do you do diarrhea in sign language? Okay, I just was wondering. <laughs> um, the, uh, 
you know, you, that's probably not something you probably have to do a whole, whole lot, so I just was wondering. Um, the, uh, the idea of it just uh, football going on today, and the bad thing is, is yes, I'm really excited about connection groups, but finally the Packers are playing on TV that I get to watch it, and I'll be at connection groups this time. You know, next week they probably won't play on TV when there's nothing I have to do. So, um, you know, uh, anybody in here have direct TV? Anybody in here fortunate to have NFL Sunday ticket? Okay, see, that, I know there's some of you that have that. And um, I, I, six years ago when I signed up for DirecTV, it was one of the, the deals that you got. You got free NFL Sunday ticket if you signed up. So that's the reason why I signed up. Um, since then, though, I have not gotten it. Because what I realized was um, NFL Sunday ticket is great for those people who aren't pastors. Um, because I don't get home in time to watch the first half of the first game, and if I have anything going on in the afternoon, which normally I do, I don't get to watch the second half of the second game. So I only get the end of the first game, the beginning of the second game. No reason to really pay $69 a month to, to get that, that, that service. But I'm not sure if you've noticed, but Dion Sanders is now sponsoring DirecTV, and he's a little fairy, and he tells you you can get DirecTV and NFL Sunday Ticket, or NFL Sunday Ticket at no extra charge. And I got really excited. So I called. I called up DirecTV and said, I said, hey, I have DirecTV. How do I get NFL Sunday ticket? And they said, you can get it for $69 a month. And I said, that sounds great, but why does everybody else get it free and I have to pay? Because the commercial doesn't say for only new customers anywhere. And they said, yeah, if you look at the fine print, I have a pretty decent sized TV, and even on the fine print, I can't quite read it. I'm looking, trying to, see, trying to see what it is. I even paused it the other day when it was on. I'm looking, trying to see. But there's always this, this catch. Because it sounded like to me in the commercial when it said, if you have DirecTV, NFL Sunday ticket is now included. And I'm like, yeah. And I'll, I don't, if I don't have to pay for it, I'm fine with that. If I have to pay it, I'm not going to get it. So I'm watching, I'm learning, and I'm looking, and I'm like, hey, that kind of stinks. And I'm not sure if you ever got yourself caught up in those kind of things where you see a car commercial and you're like, oh, that that looks like a great deal. And in the fine print, it says, you know, this deal is offered to anyone except for, in the fine print, it says those people who have good credit and those people who have money to put down on it. I worked at State Fair for the last couple of weeks. It was a lot of fun. But the booth across from us was a Verizon cell phone booth. And I, I got to know the Verizon guys pretty well. I actually got to know their, their spiel pretty well on, on how they tried to sell the phones and things. But this giant sign that said, you're entitled to a new phone. You're entitled. That's a whole other message we'll get to some other time. But the fact that it said, you're entitled, I'm looking at going, okay. But as I listened to their spiel, it was, you're entitled to have a new phone if you don't have an existing contract or you want to bump up a new one to get a two-year contract. And uh, there, there's all these stipulations. Once again, good credit. All those things fell into this. So you're entitled only if. You know, there wasn't an asterisk, though. There wasn't anything like that. That whole idea of anyone is, a, is one of those things that, that catches us. And I'm not sure if you have been reading through the book or not, but you'll know the, notice the book that we're going through. This not a fan. The whole book is basically sent around one verse, and that is Luke 9.23. And it says, if, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up their cross, and follow me daily. If anyone, anyone, Jesus throws out the word anyone. And when we see the word anyone in there, we always think, because of the culture that we live in, there has to be a catch. I mean, is there an anyone? If you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to do in the the first point there is that it says anyone, anyone is welcome. Anyone is welcome. And, uh, you know, if you haven't picked up a book yet, 
I would, I would suggest that you do. Um, it, it's a great book. I told you it's kind of one of the ones that just kind of kicks you in the gut and, and makes you think about some of the things that are going on. But it, it's one of those ones that I think you'll really enjoy at the same time. You'll be challenged by it. Um, it's very easy for me. Uh, actually, chapter 8 of the book is an open invitation. That's what we call today. I could very easily just open up chapter 8 of the book, read it to you, and the sermon could be done, and we could be good. But that's not my style so much, so what I've done is I've taken a different angle this morning than, than what the author of the book took, but to try and tie up the same, same point. Now, there's some things that if you have read the book or are, will read the book, you'll see there's some things that I have taken from it, and one of the things that we'll talk about here but, um, is about Jesus and his Talmud, but what I want to do this morning is... I want to talk about the fact that anyone is welcome. Anyone is welcome. In our human thinking, once again, like I said, we hear about all these offers that are out there open to anyone, but there's always a catch. And when we see that anyone is welcome, I'm wondering if there's a catch. I mean, this is Jesus talking. This is God in the flesh. And he's offering up this idea that anyone who wants to follow him can Anyone who wants to follow him can. But wouldn't it seem that if it was really for anyone, that there would have to be some sort of catch? Because we're talking about God. We're talking about him having people who follow him who will represent him. Don't you think he would want the elite? Don't you think he would have some sort of stipulation? Let me give you an example. When I was in uh, eighth grade, I got a book um, that somebody had brought back to me from Maryland. It was all about the U.S. Naval Academy. And I wanted to go to the U.S. Naval Academy. I thought it looked really cool to be able to go to and be able to be a part of the U.S. Naval Academy and become a naval officer when I graduated and all the things that went with it. Um, so I went to a conference, like this big, huge meeting that they told you all the things. If you wanted to go, you had to go to this meeting, and it gave you all the, the layout of, of how to get into any one of the the uh, academies that are in, uh, in the U.S., any one of the service academies, either West Point, uh, the Air Force Academy, or Annapolis. And um, they, they sat down, and they basically said that most colleges, as long as you have a heartbeat and a GPA um, that, that is over, you know, two, you can get into. N- not so much with the Naval Academy. Not so much with any of the academies. You had to have a 4.0 or better. You had to have at least a 30 on your ACT and a 1600 on your SAT, and you had to have two recommendations from U.S. senators to be able to get into the, uh, the Naval Academy. And since um, I was not the most studious student uh, my freshman year, that pretty much shot those dreams uh, real quick to go to the U.S. Naval Academy. Um, to, and, of course, the, the reason why they do that is because they want the best of the best. If you're going to be an, an officer and you're going to be leading and in charge, they want people who are going to be devoted and they want people who are going to work hard and they want people who are smart to be leading our military. And when we see that, we kind of think the same thing. Well, well shouldn't God, I mean, God, God's so much bigger than the military. Shouldn't he want a, a specific crew to be in following him? Shouldn't we want, uh, shouldn't he want, People who aren't a bunch of screw-ups? Shouldn't he uh, want to be able to eliminate ex-addicts and, and hip, hypocrites and sinners? And, and shouldn't he want the best of the best? 
I guess if we take a look at Jesus' actual life and his actual followers, we can get an answer to that question. If you've been reading, once again, this not a fan book, you'll, you'll uh, recognize this, but it explains in it how Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. He was an unconventional Jewish rabbi, but he was still a Jewish rabbi. And all Jewish rabbi had a group of followers called the Talmud. And now the Talmud was, was their disciples. And, and to get into being a, uh, into the Talmud was like trying to get into, but even probably more difficult to get into than a, a service academy. You had to be able to do just about anything. You know, Jewish rabbis were extremely knowledgeable. They knew the first five books of the Bible. Now, of course, this is the Old Testament um, at the time because there wasn't really the New Testament available. But they knew the, the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, inside and out. And even then, they also knew all the prophets' writings. So they're really, really smart people. So if you wanted to be one of their followers, they wanted the best of the best to follow them. And so there would be an application process. And part of that application process would be a pop quiz. And the pop quiz would go something like this. So your Jewish rabbi, if you were going in for an interview, he'd say, okay, do me a favor and go ahead and just recite the book of Genesis for me. Oh, you can't do it? Well, then don't bother coming any further. Or he'd say, by the way, you know, I was reading through the book of Leviticus. Do you know how many times the word Lord is in there? Oh, you don't? Well, then we'll see you later. That was the idea of trying to get in. So to be able to become a follower, to become a part of a Talmud, of a rabbi's group, it was very difficult. But what I want you to do is I want you to think about this. Who was in the Talmud of Jesus? Who were his closest followers? You had some fishermen. You had a crazy anti-government zealot. You had... Um, a tax collector who was probably the most hated person in the city. Um, you even had a guy who was fairly self-centered and only cared about himself and only cared about money. When you think of the best of the best, would those be people that you'd lump into that category? Probably not. But these are the people who followed Jesus. These are the people that were right with him. And I think when we look at that, we can honestly say, is anyone welcome when Jesus says anyone, is there a catch? And the answer is no. There's no catch. Anyone is welcome. That means anyone means everyone. Anyone means everyone. That's a hard thing for us to accept. Because if we throw out the word everyone and anyone, and we say that it's okay for anyone or everyone to come to church, you know what's going to happen in the church? A bunch of unchurched people are going to come in here. Are we ready for that? Are we honestly ready for a bunch of unchurched people to come to church? And, you know, we can look back at our churches that we've gone to in the past, and that's fine, but I'd rather look right here at this one right here right now. Are we ready for that? Because I think when we throw out that anyone means everyone, which means everyone, which means that neighbor who you just can't stand is welcome here, that group of people that get on the news and they do whatever in their protests and things like that, that includes them as well, those people you just can't stand. Anyone means everyone. Where is our line at? Because God doesn't have a line. But I think inside, all of us have this unwritten code. 
that there's a certain group of people that we just would not want to see come to church. Where's yours? Where's yours at? Because I don't know, as much as I'd like to say it's true, that anyone means everyone, I don't know if, if churches around this world are okay with everyone coming to them. I don't know if it's because we have this turf that we have to defend and we don't want sinners to come into it or a certain type of sinner. Um, and the thing is, is that even though our, our words may say, no, anyone's welcome, our, our looks, our glares, they can be pretty ugly. Um, our thoughts that go through, once again, those people who said that it was okay to say everything that's on your mind. Yeah, imagine when somebody walked in and you just had to blurt it out because you couldn't hold it back. <laughs> then you want to be that, that one that was earlier that said, I can take back anything that I said. Because there's things that go through our minds. Our statements, they can all be ugly. C.S. Lewis, who most of you guys probably know for the Narnia stuff, um, wrote a book called Mere Christianity. And in it, he talks about this very thing. He says this, if anyone thinks that Christians regard sexual sin as the supreme evil, he is quite wrong. The sins of the flesh are bad, but they are at least, they are the least of all the bad sins. If we think about putting sins into categories, all the worst pleasures are purely spiritual. The pleasure of putting other people down, of bossing and patronizing and backbiting and gossiping, the pleasure of power and hatred. For there are two things inside me. They are the animal self, which are lusts, and there is the diabolical self, which is evil. And the diabolical self is the worst of the two. That is why a cold, self-righteous jerk that goes regularly to church may be far nearer to hell than a prostitute. But of course, it's better to be neither. As we look at the book of James tonight, as we get into our connection groups, one of the things that James really wrote about was about the idea of of who we are and reflecting on us and and how we judge people. And he talks about it in chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. But he talks about a poor man and a rich man coming into church and how we truly treat them. And he talks about how we have a tendency to, to say, hey, yeah, you're the rich guy. We're going to treat you well. We're going to have you sit over here, give you the nicest seat in the house. And you're the poor guy, so you're going to sit in the back on the dirt floor and just, you know, just be glad that you're allowed to be in here. And how we treat people. Look what verse 8 and 9 says of chapter 2. That it says, yes, indeed it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. We do it. We do that. We somehow, some way, treat people as favorites and and other people as less than. And it stinks that we do it. And it's a battle I think most of us have in our heads um, pretty regularly. And then... um, you know, some of us, we've got a pretty good handle on it, and some of us don't have a handle on it at all. How do we get past that? How do we, as Christ's followers and not fans, get past that and realize that if Jesus says anyone is welcome, if Jesus will welcome in the tax collector who had their own category for sinning, if he can do it, how can we do it? How can we break down that? so easy for us to fall into that and sometimes you know it's a it's a political thing you know we 
it's amazing how how churches go the the Republican Democrat, and you know they they separate pretty well in that area. The uh, when I very first moved here, I'll just be completely honest with you. I I was uh, fairly anti-Democrat, and uh, you know I I came from a church that was ninety-nine point nine percent Republican, and uh, you know and they made it known, and and those are the things we went along with. Um, and when I moved to New Mexico, I didn't realize there was actually Democrats that went to church. I'm, I'm not even joking with you. Rick, Rick is sitting back there, and he's shaking his head, and he's laughing because he remembers what I did. He remembers what I did, and I said it out loud, and I got some letters for it because, um, once again, it's that of the mouth. Um, I got up there, and, and George Bush had just done something, and it was, it was post-9-11, and he'd gotten up there and said some things. And, and I came out with a statement and said, Aren't you glad that Al Gore isn't our president at this point in time? And you could have hear, heard a pin drop on the carpet floor, except for Rick, who was laughing back in the back. He was at the soundboard, and he fell over sideways. I saw it happen. He was laughing that hard. And I went, what did I just say? Why didn't everybody clap? You know, that was the kind of mentality, because we build up these walls of there's a difference between us. And we say, well, these people are welcome, and these people aren't. And that's just political. We do it socially. We do it economically. We do it by the size of our bank accounts. I mean, we do it by the color of our skin. It's amazing that within a church where anyone is welcome and anyone means everyone, there's a catch. But for Jesus, there was never a catch. And I've had to learn that myself, and I have had to grow and mature and allow God to change me in that way because, you know what, all of us have to battle with it. I could throw out a hypothetical situation. What if somebody who was on the news recently that had just gotten out of prison for molesting a child came in and sat down next to you? How would you feel about that? Does anyone mean everyone? Would you get up and scoot over? Would you make sure there was a seat between you because you didn't want to get his germs on you? Just a hypothetical situation. Because my guess is if anyone means everyone and we want people to come as they are and be changed by God, that person's included. Just throwing in a hypothetical for you. Anybody in here know the Lord's Prayer? Did you have to learn it as a little kid? I grew up Catholic, so we had to learn that. It goes like this. It says, Our Father who art in heaven. This is, of course, the King James Version. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know King James, we actually sang a song this morning. It had some King James words. My, my grandfather used to pray in King James, and if you didn't, God couldn't hear you. That's what I understood. Um, so, um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's next? So you guys all know it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, for those of you guys who don't understand the King James, what is thy? Your. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Not mine, which we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. This isn't about me. It's about God. But it becomes so rote. It becomes so known that it just says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if we actually meant that? What if we actually did want what he wants? And it wasn't about us. And it was the fact that we're trying to reach Sinners, 
for the gospel. I got to be honest with you. I am so glad. I am so glad that God didn't choose me because of my IQ. And God didn't choose me because of my good looks. And God didn't choose me because of my amazing and impeccable abilities. But God chose me by his grace. Because I was messed up well before he ever met me. And I can't say that I'm completely straight now. <laughs> I still got some weird, crazy things that, that go on. Some things that I think about in my head. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Um, you know, those kind of things. I'm sure each and every one of us in here have the same thing. And we have to remember where we were and where God has brought us to. And where there's other people that, that we go by. You know, it was funny. Christy was telling me that, uh, you know, as she was driving in, there's all the balloon people that were uh, in their uh, chase crews. And they just locked up the, locked up the balloon. They're sitting on the side of the road, and they all had their beers and sitting in their camping chairs. And she's like, I was going to give them a card. I'm like, hey, that would be cool. Just have half-drunk people come on into church. How great would that be? You know, they're clapping. You know, yeah, who knows? But uh, it would be a lot of fun. We'd probably just, no, no clapping this morning, guys. We, Jerome can't hold a beat without, you know. But the, the whole idea of getting those people who are out there to come in here. It's one of the things I love about the fact that we are in a school is that we don't have these walls that we have built up to keep people out. And, you know, as much as someday I'm looking forward to getting into a building to save some of you from having to come in every Sunday and trying to figure out all the sound stuff and all the setup stuff, at the same time, it's, it's great to be in a place where people can feel a little more comfortable because I think sometimes going into a church makes us feel uncomfortable because we feel that we have to have something there. But one of the great things is, is as Jesus says, anyone means everyone, and that he eliminated all these unwritten codes that we have in our minds of, of who should be able to come to church and who shouldn't be able to. When he eliminated that, he, he basically said this, no qualifications means no excuses. No qualifications means no excuses. There's no longer barriers to keep people from following him. And there's so many excuses that go out there. There's so many of them. And some of them are, are light ones, like, well, I, I have to work. I, I have to go to work because of, you know, obviously finances are, are something that's important. And have you seen the economy? So I have to go to work. And my kids are running me in 10 different directions, and I just don't have time on Sundays to get over to church so, uh, or to, to follow God even throughout the week because I'm so busy doing other things. There's things like that that we use as excuses. But when, when Jesus said anyone means Everyone, those excuses are out the window. But there's other excuses we use like, well, the church is full of hypocrites, so I can't go and be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that because they all look down on me for whatever reason or or those kind of things. Or I'm not good enough to go to church. And I've heard people actually say that before. You know what? Pastor Sai over at First Baptist said this. You know, the church isn't a hotel for the healthy. It's a hospital for the sick. And that's exactly true. We're trying to bring people in so, so God can work on them and God can change them and we can show them God's love through us. No qualifications means no excuses. I think about, I think about what we're doing and why God called us to plant this church. And you know, when we have these preconceived notions in our mind, when we think to ourselves that, you know, it, it can only 
be this type of group that we reach, that I can't invite that person that I sit next to on the train or, or on, the, on the bus up to Santa Fe or, um, you know, whatever it is. I can't invite that soccer mom that sits next to me in, in, uh, during soccer games while I'm watching my kids. I, I can't do that because excuse follows. He destroyed all those excuses. He got rid of all of those things. Anyone means everyone. And I don't know why we're the ones who have a tendency to try and decide who God can save and who he can't. Who God can reach and who he can't. Because it's not for us to do that. We have a tendency to think, well, there's no way they're going to come to church. Let them say no. Let God work on them. Pray for it ahead of time. Invite them to come. We are called to love as Christ loved no matter how different people are from us. And that's what we're supposed to do. And God is in the business of changing people. And the cool thing is, is if we look at this very last point, it is an open invitation. And it is to anyone, but it means everything. It means everything. Because if you look at the next words of that verse when it says, if anyone would come after me, or if anyone would follow me, he must first do what? Deny himself. Deny himself. That is a difficult thing to think about. Denying himself. When a Talmud or when a, when a person would be accepted into the Talmud, they would give up everything. They would give up their family and they would follow the rabbi. They'd give up their jobs and they would follow the rabbi. They'd give up whatever it was they had and follow the rabbi. Now some of the rabbis probably were doing different things and, and they would literally go anywhere with them at any time. But I want you to think about where Jesus went and where he took those 12 people to. Some of the crazy stories, like when he talked to the Samaritan woman. Two big no-nodes in the area, but he sat down and did it. When he got face-to-face with a prostitute that people brought out that was having an, an adulterous affair. When he went into the tax collecting. When he ate with Zacchaeus. You know, those are some things that were big no-nos at the time, but he led them into those areas. Are you willing to give up everything? and follow Jesus, no matter where he takes us, no matter where he takes you and how he's changing your heart, it's a question worth asking yourself today. As we continue to go through this Not a Fan series, like I said, I, I would suggest you grab the book. If you don't have the money, don't worry about it. I just suggest you read it and let it challenge you. Let it change your heart as we look at this whole idea of anyone meaning everyone and that it's okay to invite people and let them say no and don't say no, nay, no for them. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much, and I thank you once again for this message that you brought. These weren't my words. These were yours. And God, I pray they penetrate the heart like you've done to me all week long, that you've done to me all summer long after reading this book. God, you've changed me, and you're continuing to change me. And I thank you for bringing me from where I was, being okay with the screw-up that I was to start out with, and as you continue to work in my heart and work in my life, Lord, that you are changing me. And I bet everybody in this room can say the same thing, because we are all at a place at one point in time that, that wasn't that great. And there's even been times in our walk with you since accepting you as our personal Savior that things weren't that great. But God, you're continuing to stand by us. There's times that we've fallen, and you've been there to pick us up.
There's times that we've turned our back on you and you've been there waiting when we turn back. God, I pray for each and every person in this room. I pray for the people that are out on the outside of these walls that don't know you as their Savior. That, God, we could be a light into, your dark, into this dark world. We could be your light and shine in a way that people will see who you are and understand that they're missing out on something. Pray this all in your name, Lord. Amen.